as we continue exploring the life of Jesus. What a subject. We can never exhaust, right? Jesus and all that he is. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's our cornerstone. Amen? He's our strength. Well, you know, sometimes we can miss the obvious, okay? Sometimes we just are not really paying attention to what's going on, all right? Maybe, maybe you know, it's, a, it's an important date on the calendar and your wife is trying to drop hints like your anniversary <laughs> and, you know, and maybe you're just sort of going through life and you're like not getting it. Anybody relate? <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> and you know, the hints are being dropped. Well, I'd really like, you know, and it's right over your head. Uh, because sometimes we just miss the signs. You know, there are signs that God is giving constantly. And I like what, uh, what Justin shared last week. He was just saying, you know, it's sort of like your radio tuner, <laughs> okay? It's amazing. We're being bombarded with radio frequencies all of the time. But the only difference between those that receive and those who don't is whether or not you are tuned in to be able to receive it. And the same is true with the signs God is giving. The same is true with what God is doing in the world today. God is always working. Jesus said so. He said, my father always works. He's always been working and I must also work, you see. God is always working. In every generation, he's working. But we're not always in tune with what he's doing. And so today we're going to look at a couple of examples of that. Where we have one class of people that completely missed it. They rejected the signs that God was giving them. Really because of their own wickedness. And, and the fact that they had just turned away from God. Um, and then the other class is probably closer to maybe many of us in this room. They are followers of Jesus, but because of their unbelief, they were just dense when it came to being aware of what the Lord was doing. And we'll see that in either case, you know, it's, it's possible to miss what God wants to do. But those who, instead of missing it, are receptive and understanding the revelation that God is doing, well, well, guess what? You get to receive the blessings that come with that for those who are in tune with God. So Matthew chapter 15. Now we pick it up and Jesus had been in an area east of the Sea of Galilee called the Decapolis. It was ten cities. It was mainly inhabited by Gentiles. And Jesus had been there among them, which was really unusual. This is the first time he had really moved out of Jewish territory into the, the, the territory of the Gentiles. But the word got out and people were bringing people that were maimed. They were deaf. They were mute. They were blind. And Jesus was healing them all. And so they came out and... You know, one day goes by, they, they don't leave, they stay. Then another day, then another day. They're there for three days. And they don't leave. And they've gone through their food supply. <laughs> and Jesus 
you know, he just loved on them. He had so much compassion for them. So we pick it up, Matthew 15, 32. Now, Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. So Jesus, you know, gets his disciples, sort of has a little staff meeting there on the fly. And he's saying, look, these people, you know, they've been here all this time, three days. I don't want them trying to go home now with no food. They're going to faint on the way, you know, maybe, you know, just sees their little ones crying because they're hungry, you know. I don't want to do that to them. And so once again, Jesus is moved with compassion. He's always being moved with compassion at human need. It's almost like it's impossible for the Lord to shut up his heart where he sees that there are people suffering or sheep without a shepherd, as we've seen previously. And so, you know, so he asks, he, he, he then asks them a question. He said to the disciples, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude. Now, do you think Jesus knew what he was going to do here? Okay. Absolutely. He knew what he was going to do. Why do you suppose he was asking the disciples this question? It's, uh, don't you think it was to test them? Yeah. Again, uh, what did Jesus do previously? If you remember, there was this woman from that area, a Syrophoenician. She was a Syrian who lived in Phoenicia area, Tyre and Sidon. And she, she, he just kept br- drawing the faith out of her until, you know, she plowed through every obstacle to get what she really wanted, which was her daughter who was demon-possessed. She wanted to see her delivered. And here now, Jesus is sort of doing this with his disciples. He's drawing the faith out. Where are we going to get the food, guys? You know, it's not that hard. We've done this before, guys. You know? And I would just think, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How much do you believe in the promises of God? How much do you believe in the character of God? What is it that God would give you faith to believe him for? You know, we have a whole Bible that tells us what God is into. <laughs> that what his will is. And if we pray according to his will, the Bible says he hears us. And if he hears us, we have what we've asked for. Amen? God is constantly seeking to draw faith out of his people. Why? Because there's a lot of work he would like to do. And he's looking for some people that will believe him to do it. But God doesn't do it on his own. He does it through the faith. Of his people. I don't know why. He doesn't have to. I've always thought it'd be better. I, I, think, I think instead of me hollering at you every week, wouldn't it be great if just a, a, like the Gabe, angel Gabriel just sort of comes down and says, hey, listen up, people. I think you'd probably pay attention, you know. Just part the heavens and God shows his face, you know. Hello, world. I'm God. You're not, you know. <laughs> I mean, that would be a fact, but that's not the way the Lord chooses to do it. He chooses to use you and me. Trusting him, praying, seeing God work on our, on our behalf. So, you know, now, 
the, it, in this case, okay, okay, so I'm, I kind of, I'm sorry, I twisted this because there's another gospel that says that Jesus was asking. Here is the disciples that says, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to, to fill such a great multitude? But I think this principle is the same. Jesus was testing them to see what, the, you know, what we're going to do. So they, they say to, the, to Jesus this time, where, where can we go to get enough bread? Now, now, did they forget? I mean, it wasn't that f- long ago, right, that Jesus had fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Did they forget what Jesus was capable of? Well, why did they say that? Well, two reasons come to mind for me. One, this is the first time that Jesus has been out among the Gentiles. And yes, they understood that Jesus would feed the Jews, but would he do the same thing with the Gentiles? They didn't know, perhaps. Or two, maybe they thought it was Jesus, you know, he did that one time, but maybe it's wrong for him to think that he's going to do that every time, you know, work in such a supernatural way to do a miracle. And I think that we could all be guilty of that at times. We sometimes wonder, well, you know, you know, can, can I really trust the Lord to work a miracle here? Isn't that being presumptuous, you know? And maybe that's what they were thinking here too. Who knows? But uh, the, 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 the reality of it was they were sort of in a corner. They had a lot of people and they didn't have a lot of food. And yet they had a big need. So what, what, were, what were they all going to do about it, you know? And I think that we could, we could look at them and say, come on, you guys, get with it. But don't we do the same thing, seriously? I mean, even though we could look back on our past and see that God has been faithful to meet our needs, he's gotten us through really sticky problems in the past. And how, if you look back, I mean, how many times has God not been faithful to you? How many times has all of the disaster happened that you thought was going to happen and you didn't get through it? You know, obviously you're here. You're still alive. <laughs> so, but the reality of it is, is that we go through things, God proves himself faithful, and the next time we come to a problem, we just sort of forget about it all, right? Oh no, what are we going to do here? Well, wait a minute. Hasn't God been faithful every step of the way? we forget his faithfulness. So Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. Okay, so get this. This is not as hard of a problem, right? Before they only had five fish and they, only, and they had 5,000 to feed. Now they only have, and now they have seven fish and only 4,000 to feed. Piece of cake. <laughs> when you have the Lord on your side. And that's the whole deal. Do you realize that God in any one person is a majority? If God is for us, who can be against us? Or what difference does it make? Who's against us? That's just the basic reality of faith. That's what David understood when, you know, the whole army of Israel is recoiling from Goliath. And David says, wait a minute, this giant is toast because he's coming against Almighty God and God's not going to let that happen. So as long as I'm on God's side, you're toast, dude. We're going to rip you up. I'm going to cut your head off today. <laughs> so anyway, now once, so, so what happens here? Now, 
I think there's probably two lessons here that, that Jesus was bringing forth. The first is that he could repeat the same miracle. You know, why, why, why do we get these two, two miracles that are so similar in the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000? Well, first off, Jesus could repeat the miracle. He can do that. Do you know that, that he, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Now, granted, he does do things differently. He's not God in the box. He doesn't always do it the same way. But he can if he wants to. And I, and I use that fact that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever when it comes to praying for, like, healings. You know, Lord, you've done this in the past. You can do it again. And, and you're the same. Your character is immutable. You don't change. So I think that's one thing. Secondly, I think he was showing that he was reaching out now to the Gentiles. Now, the gospel hadn't... It, that wouldn't really happen in full until after his death and resurrection. But he's already showing that he's ministering to the Gentiles. And so he, he says, okay... You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to reach out to them, and in the process, he's showing that both Jew and Gentile are going to make up his church, which is the is the is the age in which we live today, where the Lord is gathering up a church from both Jew and Gentile, and and showing the people that. Well, once again, we see that the important thing was. Not how many loaves that they had, but would they bring him to Jesus? And of course, that's what they did. They, they brought them to Jesus. They put it into his hands. And that's the whole key. And they brought all that they had and they put it into the hands of Jesus. Folks, you know, there's, there's... Some of us, you know, have a lot. Let's, let's just take an inventory for, for a moment. What is it that you have? I mean, I, I, I think, what is it? Okay. What is, what is it? You have? Love. Okay. I love it. Happiness. Happiness. Okay. What else? What can you do? Jasmine, right? What can you do? What are your gifts? Love. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's good. Okay. Now, I want you to think about this. There's a lot of people that just will say, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have this. I don't have that. They focus on their disability. They focus on what it is that they don't have. If only I had this. You know, I don't have that, so I can't do that. And so they, they sort of take themselves out of the race because they think about all the stuff they don't have. Listen, <laughs> exactly. What do you have? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jasmine. <laughs> okay. So think about what it is that you do have. Okay. What do you have? What do you have that you can... And I think, I think periodically we should all sort of do a, a, an assessment of our time, our talent, our treasure. Because the, the, the bottom line is, is not how much you have, but will you take that... And put it in the hands of the Lord. Will you say, Lord, this is what I do have. This is what I have. And I know that if I put this into your hands, that you can do something with this. Do you believe that? You see? 
Do you believe that if you take what you have and you give it to the Lord and say, multiply this, Lord, bless it, use it for your kingdom, that the Lord can do far more than you could even imagine? But the issue is, will you give it to the Lord? Will you put it in his hands? Will you just take yourself and all that God has given you in the way of time, talent, treasure, resources, love, as Jasmine said, and, and put that in the Lord's hands and say, Lord, use me. That's what they did here. They, they put it into the, the Lord's hands. Now, I want to just, you know, Dave, Pastor Dave mentioned about Bill Holdridge being here last weekend. What an amazing weekend that that was. Okay, now this goes back for a year because, you know, we started praying about having him come, doing an assessment of, his, of, of our churches, which is what he does. But, you know, it's like, we got, I got to thinking, we, we don't want to waste Bill. I mean, the guy's just dripping with, with gifts of the Spirit, you know. And so let's do some kind of equipping conference. And so we did that. And, in the pro, and that was awesome. I hope you check out those videos. But in the process of that, you know, then we thought, why don't we do something on, on Sunday night and just a healing, a praise and healing service. Why? Because there's a lot of people coming out of this whole COVID nightmare with a lot of needs. Spiritually, emotionally, physically. And so let's just see what God will do. So one of our sisters, Donna McLean, you know, she's been waiting for a kidney for since they've been coming to our church well over a year and been on the list and been off the list, on the list, off the list, you know, because of her health. So she comes forward for prayer last Sunday night and, and, and you know, uh, Jeff and Justin, I think, prayed for her and, and, and gave them faith to pray, Lord, give her a kidney this week. I love it when God does stuff like that and just gives you the faith. And a lot of people have been praying for her. You know, it's like, and that's all very important. It's not like God just answers this prayer. But the, but the idea here is faith and prayer God blesses. Well, guess what? The next day she gets a call. They've got a kidney for her. She goes to Utah. This kidney's already been, they weren't sure if it was going to be a match. She's already had the surgery. She's doing well. They think it's a match. Pray that that thing starts functioning now like it's supposed to. Uh, because it usually takes a little bit of time. But Boom! Okay, see what I'm saying? God takes what we, what we give him when we give him opportunity and we say, Lord, we're going to trust you to do something here. And the Lord does it. Why? Because God gets the glory. Amen? I just view this as ways that we can give God the glory. And let me just tell you something. There's a world out there that is dying. And they have no hope. They're without God. They're without hope in the world. They're depressed. They're suicidal. They need to see something, you see. They need to see that if they're going to believe in this God, that this God does stuff. You know, one of the first ways they see it is in the transformation of your life. But then they can also see it in like this. What a testimony she now has. Amen? What a testimony. And, and, and so that's, that's what was going on as, as they just... Gave the Lord what they had. The Lord, of course, commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish. He gave thanks. He broke them. And he gave them to his disciples. 
And the disciples gave to the multitude, so they all ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. So very similar situation to the previous miracle. One interesting difference here is previously they, they took up 12 baskets of leftovers. They were like small baskets, okay? This is a different Greek word. It's, it's a word for a large basket. It's the same word that was used to say when, when Saul was, uh, when they lowered Saul in a basket through the wall in Damascus to get him out of town to escape the Jews, it was the same word. So this is a big basket, guys. <laughs> it can hold the Saul of Tarsus. Uh, it was a good size basket. So seven baskets, large baskets of leftovers. Now let me just tell you something here about this. And that is, is that God is able not only to just cause you to squeak by, but to like have a surplus so that you can give to others. And you know, and, and, and it's not, it's not, I'm not saying name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Okay, I'm not saying that because there have been great saints of God that have gone through times of famine, through times of hardship. It happens. But don't be surprised if when you are walking with the Lord, that the Lord blesses you. And why does he bless you? He blesses you to be able to share with others. And that's yet another testimony of of the goodness of God. We sung it here today. So they had these leftovers. They were able to share them. God obviously showed that he is the abundantly more God can do uh, more than we even ask or think, right? And so, amazing. Chapter 16. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. (laughs) I mean, okay, doesn't that make you wonder what in the guy, what in the world have these guys been doing all this time? You know, a sign? Seriously? Have you not been paying any attention here? But, you know, they came, now it says that the key here is that they came to test him. They weren't honest. They weren't really searching for the sign that he was truly the Messiah. They didn't care about that. They were trying to prove him wrong. They were jealous of him. And they wanted to show that he was not what everybody thought that he was. And therefore they said, well, you know, give us a sign. You know, sort of like Elijah called down fire from heaven or Joshua, you know, made the sun stand still. What are you going to do, Jesus? And so, um, and another interesting thing is the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were completely opposite, okay? The Pharisees were very much legalists, adding to the word of God. The Sadducees were materialists. They took away from the word of God. You know, they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in an eternal spirit. They didn't 
believe in the bodily resurrection, which is why they were so sad, you see. Sorry, I had to do that. You know, some of you, it's as old as the hills, but you know, still got to laugh. So. And you'll remember, see, you're sad if you don't have belief in the supernatural, which they didn't because they were materialists. These guys never got along. This would be like the Democrats and the Republicans coming together to oppose somebody. That's exactly what this was like. Two groups, two parties that never got along. And yet they come together for the purpose of proving Jesus wrong. Well... Consider the signs that they were ignoring. First, there was John the Baptist. Okay? John came as the forerunner. He said, look, the one who comes after me, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know, and the people believed John was a prophet because they could see how God was mightily using him and revival was coming as a result of this man's preaching. And when Jesus shows up to be baptized, John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If they had been paying attention, they would have known that, hey, John's a prophet. This is what he said about this guy. Obviously, he must be the one. But they ignored it. Second, there were the prophecies in Scripture. You know, Jesus would fulfill hundreds of Old Testament prophecies. Weren't they paying any attention? What about the prophecy of Daniel, the 70 weeks prophecy, where Daniel basically said that 483 years after the, 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 the order was given to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, that Messiah would come. And sure enough, that order was given to Nehemiah in March of 445 BC. 483 years later to the day, Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Why weren't they paying attention? Why weren't they marking their calendar? Why weren't they aware of the signs of the times that they were living in? They ignored it all. Or what about Christ's words? Just his words. He spoke like nobody ever spoke. That's what the people said. The people were amazed because he spoke with authority and because of the gracious words that came from his lips. When they sent the temple guards to go and arrest Jesus, they came back without Jesus. And the Pharisees said, why didn't you bring him in? And they said, we never heard anybody speak like this. Can you imagine the chief of police of Boise sending out the police to go apprehend a criminal and they come back and say, we've never heard anybody speak like this. I mean, obviously, the words that he spoke were anointed. And then what about his miracles? I mean, we've just seen two of them here uh, you know, healing all of the, the, ma- the maimed and the lame and the blind. And, and, and then, you know, d- feeding 4,000 people. I mean, there's two right there. He, but he had, he had raised the dead. <laughs> he had cast out demons. He had healed every form of, 
of disability and disease. How many more signs do they need? So they were completely without excuse. And so Jesus, you know, Warren Wiersbe actually said, the Pharisees and Sadducees did not lack evidence. They lacked honesty and humility. And may I say that that is true of every single person on the planet today. We are without excuse if we reject God because God has given us the testimony of creation itself. It doesn't just happen, folks. These amazing human bodies don't just happen as some cosmic accident. That's crazy. We are the the objects of love and design and purpose by our Heavenly Father. And so people are without excuse because God has given so many signs. Of course, there is the sign of the resurrection, which is what we're going to get to here. But people are without excuse. Now, they might be blinded, and they are blinded by the God of this age. So we've got to understand that. Satan has blinded their minds. And they're not the enemy. The devil's the enemy. But people are without excuse. Nobody's going to be able to, on judgment day, say, Lord, I never had a sign. Ain't going to happen. So, Jesus answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather, Today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. So you're, you are aware enough to be able to look at the sky. And you know, you've perhaps heard that saying, red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning, you know. You can look at the sky, you can tell if it's going to be fair weather, or stormy. But you can't discern the signs of the times. And he called them out. You're just hypocrites. You're pretenders. It's not that you're honest. You're not honest. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to others. But you can't lie to God. So... They failed to read the signs of the times. But what about us? Are we aware? Are we reading the signs correctly? I mean, we've, you've heard it said many times. That 2020 is like, what happened, right? These are unprecedented times for us in so many ways. What does it mean? What's God doing? How, what, how are we supposed to interpret what's going on? Does it mean anything? And if so, what does it mean? See, these are questions we need to ask ourselves. Because we're not children of darkness, we're children of light. Amen? Honestly, I don't know how the coronavirus pandemic plays into the whole end times scenario. I do know that when the disciples asked Jesus what the sign would be marking the end of the age, Jesus said in Luke 21, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands and there will be terrifying things and great 
miraculous signs from heaven. The indication that Jesus gave was that as the time for the end neared, that the signs that would be happening would be like a woman who is in labor. That, the, that it would come with greater intensity and greater frequency. And folks, if you don't see that things have been happening with greater intensity and greater frequency, open your eyes, right? I mean, it's happening. That's happening. Without question. Um, but let's just take a look at what I believe are two indisputable signs that the Lord is coming soon. First, after the Jews were scattered throughout the world for 1900 years, in 1948, they were able to reestablish the nation of Israel that has never ever been done before in all of history where a nation had lost its homeland for that long and the people were able to come back and form a nation again. That was essential in order for the prophecies of the Old Testament and the New Testament to come to pass. Many prophecies have to come to pass with Israel being a nation and yet and the temple still needs to be rebuilt, by the way. Hasn't happened yet, but it will. That is a huge sign that we are in the Ezekiel scenario where God took Ezekiel and said, look, can these dead, dry bones be made to live? And Ezekiel said, well, Lord, you know. And sure enough, the ankle bone connected to the th- leg bone, the leg bone connected to the thigh bone, you know. And all of that came, up, and, and he saw this come with flesh and, and muscle and, and, and rise up in life, and these bones suddenly became a mighty army. And God said, that's what I'm going to do to my people Israel in the last days. We have seen that, folks. We have seen that. Never underestimate that amazing sign. Second, I believe it's indisputable that lawlessness is abounding in our world today. And Jesus said that would be a sign. Just look at what's happened in our country. Rebellion against authority Looting, violence in our streets. There has been an ongoing rise of atheism and idolatry. Self-idolatry is huge. But there's now other idols, gods, that are factoring in to the culture. Disregard for human life. The abortion of 61 million fetuses in, our, in the United States. 61 million babies that would have been born. When, think about it. When, when Cain spilled the blood of Abel, God said, the blood of your, of your brother is crying out to me. Can you imagine what that cry is before God? There's... The increase of sexual immorality. In 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage, overturning nearly 7,000 years of human history defining marriage as the union between a man and a woman. 
But now that's been overturned. Now, that's changed. Now, this last week, a Gallup survey shows that 67% of American adults support same-sex marriage, which is a record high just 24 years ago. Just 24 years ago. 68% of Americans opposed gay marriage. Now it's completely flipped. History tells us God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of pervasive and violent homosexuality. God told the children of Israel to utterly destroy the Canaanites whose practices included sexual immorality homosexuality, child sacrifice, bestiality, that is sex with animals, and idolatry. In Romans 1, the Apostle Paul cites idolatry and homosexuality as the evidence of being given over to a debased mind. And when a culture descends to that level of depravity, which we have, There's no other alternative but for God to bring judgment. Historically, that's always been the case. So I don't think that that is disputable if you're looking at things from a biblical worldview. We have reached epic proportions of immorality and, as Jesus said, lawlessness that's abounding. And and yet, Jesus said it would be that way. In fact, it's going to get worse after the church is taken out of here because Jesus said that unless those days were shortened, there would be no flesh saved. No flesh surviving. Aren't you glad you came here today for such a feel-good message? I say this because we need to know the signs of the times. We need to know where we're at. We can't just stick our proverbial head in the sand and be dumb and dense and foolish. And Jesus said that, you know, because lawlessness would abound, the love of many will grow cold. And I believe we're seeing that. I think there's a great falling away that's occurring you know we for a while we've been talking about the fact that so many young adults 18 year olds graduate from high school leave the church many many never return covid has brought another wave of just people just exiting you know it's very convenient not to do church will they be back i think many of them will some of them maybe not You know, Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, yeah, I have this against you. You've done a lot of great things, but you've left your first love. And so I think that's happening. It's happening around us. And there's a lot of different theories that are going around and and people naming individuals or news events uh, uh, of things that may happen. Listen, I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical when it comes to people just trying to predict the antichrist and the false prophet and blah 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 because i have i've lived i'm 60 years old okay i know i don't look a day over 40 you know but (laughs) but i've seen enough 
predictions that have failed to come to pass that I don't even go there anymore. I just, you know, I, I believe what Jesus said in John 13, 19. He said, now I tell you it before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Jesus gives prophecy. The Bible gives prophecy so that when it happens, we can believe that God is on the throne, that he knows what he's talking about, that Jesus is Christ and Lord and Son of God. Amen? It's not for us to sit around and try to speculate who's the next Antichrist or what's the next Mark of the Beast or blah, blah, blah. I'm so fed up with hearing all of these things. Folks, listen. The way I look at it is the Antichrist is not even going to be revealed until the church is taken out of here. So I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's get our eyes on him and realize that, yes, this world's going to get worse. Hey, we may be persecuted in our nation. That could happen. What makes us think that we would be the generation that escapes persecution? Why would we think that? I mean, yeah, we have a constitution. We thank God for it. We should fight to defend it. We should fight to do all we can to maintain our religious freedoms. But if they're taken away from us, and we die for Jesus, hallelujah. I mean, let's not get caught up in all this stuff. What we should be thinking about is that there's a world that's dying, that's going to hell, and God's called us to give the only solution, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And what what it's causing me to do is to realize that our time here is short. And even if if the Lord just takes another 10, 20 years before He comes back, I don't know. But even if He did, listen, our time is short. (laughs) My time is short. We only have one opportunity to share with people that are dying and going to hell about Jesus Christ, and that's in our lifetime. And if we don't take advantage of the opportunities that we have and take advantage of the facts that we know that this is what's happening in the world and where it's all headed, if we don't share that knowledge and also the solution through Jesus Christ, then we've missed our opportunity. We've missed it. So to me, that's what I'm looking, as Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Folks, are you doing that? You know, our our, our attention shouldn't, I I get it, there's things we need to be active of in this world. There's an election coming up, we need to be praying, we need to vote, we need to do our part. I'm I'm not saying we don't. But I think we should always have an eye heavenward and realize that, Lord, you could come today. Am I ready? Have I ma- At the end of the day, you say, Lord, have I made the most of the opportunities that you've given me today or have I just squandered them? And just be honest. You know, God's not trying to beat you over the head. He just wants to make our lives more fruitful for his kingdom. So Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but no sign shall be given to that except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Jesus says, there's only one sign you're going to get. You want this glorious, spectacular sign in heaven? Listen, here's the sign you're going to get. 
just as Jonah, think about it, it's the perfect illustration. Here's Jonah. You know, they throw him overboard. He goes under, down under. They think he's dead. No question. He's a goner. But he wasn't a goner. He was sort of buried, if you will, in the the belly of a great fish for three days. And then what happens? God commands the fish. He vomits Jonah up. And he was, in a sense, raised to life again. <laughs> he's, he's there on the shore. He's alive. You know, he's alive. He's alive. He smells really terrible, but he's alive. <laughs> and he goes and preaches to Nineveh. Okay? So Jesus, okay, that's the sign you're going to get. Just as Jonah, three days, three days, three nights in the belly of a great fish, so I will be, you know, three days, three nights in, in, in the heart of the earth. And it was the death, the burial, the death of Christ on the cross, the burial in the tomb, the resurrection on the third day. That's the sign you're going to get. That's still the sign. It's the ultimate sign. That Jesus is the only way to eternal life, that we must believe in him, that there's no other way for us to be forgiven of our sins, but to believe in Jesus Christ and to come through him. That is the sign to the world today because nobody else died for your sins. Nobody else was resurrected from the dead. Nobody else conquered death but him. And that's the sign we need to bring people to. If, what, if, if you don't do anything else, You know, there's two things you can do, that we can do. In whatever time the Lord gives us before he comes for us, we can tell people our story. We can tell what he's done for us. And we can tell people God's story. The story of Christ, what he did for us, for humanity. And that's what the Lord's called us to do. It's what he's called me to do. And, uh, and I'm not going to finish what I intended to do today. So we'll have to stay tuned till next week. <laughs> so let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that you are the God of all, beginning and end, and everything in between. And Lord, you know exactly what you're doing in the world today. We don't understand. There's a lot of things we don't, we don't get. We don't see it. But Lord, thank you that we can just trust you in those times. Thank you that it's not that we're hanging on to you, but by grace, you've chosen us. We didn't choose you. You chose us. And you appointed us to bear fruit that will last. I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody today that has not yet submitted their life to Christ, has not yet come by faith and confessed that they are a sinner and that they need you, Lord, I pray that they would make that confession of faith before it's too late, Lord. While they're still alive, while they still have opportunity. And Lord, that they would not put that off. 
And Lord, I just pray that if, if you this week would give us opportunity to share what you've done in our lives, Lord, to share your heart for humanity. Lord, I just pray you'd open doors for us this week. If you're here today, you've not ever received Jesus. We would like to receive him today and to know that your sins are forgiven and that your name is written in heaven. Or maybe you have received him in the past, but you know you need to come back. You know you need to get things right with the Lord. And you want to be ready for his return, whether he comes by death or by rapture. You're going to stand before him. And you don't know when that's going to be. None of us do. So if that's you, you would like to receive Jesus today. Would you just lift up your hand? I'd like to pray for you. Anybody here today? Are you on, that are watching online at home? You can do the same thing. You know, all you have to do is just say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you, Jesus. And I need you to forgive me because I know I haven't done the right things. But I need you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. If you just pray that prayer, the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's just looking for people that will just call upon him. All right, well, we're gonna have people, our prayer team come forward and be available to pray with any of you that have needs. (laughs) You know, last Sunday night was so awesome. We had so many, the people that were there, I think almost everybody came forward for prayer, either just asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit or to receive healing. And you know, it's, it's sort of cool in here today, right? It's cold outside. This gym was like 63 when I came in here today. I think it's probably 64 now. (laughs) But here's the deal. You know, as, as, as Dave was saying, you know, where there's fellowship, there's the warmth of the Spirit, amen? There's the warmth of family when you love each other. So we're here. We're your family. It's our privilege to go to the same King and Lord and join together And the Bible says that if two or more of you agree on anything, it shall be done. Amen? So we're here to pray with you. Whatever your needs may be, we believe in the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he touches people because he loves people. And he loves you. He knows your needs. But he wants to be the I am in your life, you see. He He wants to be the I am in your life. So... Give them opportunity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence. And God, we ask that you just pour out your spirit, your love, your grace upon your people, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. Thank you that there is nothing we cannot do when you're in us. We can do all things, Jesus, through Christ, you who strengthen us. We thank you. Bless your people. In Jesus' name.